Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that gets you in touch with your Houston Texans inside NRG Stadium, outside NRG Stadium. It's the Hyundai Mobile Texans Radio Studio, and I'm Mark Vandermeer along with John Harris tonight. Welcome to the program. We're going to play Who's Better in just a little while. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we have a lot of things to get to tonight. Texans announcing more signings. There have been some of the reported signings, so we'll get to that. We'll go around the league as well. We know the gigantic story that's going on with the Texans quarterback, but we don't talk about that here. It's a Texans show. It's a legal matter. We're not going to get into that. So we hope things resolve themselves the way they're supposed to. But that is it. That's all we can say. It's a legal matter. We talk football on this show. So, Johnny, ready to rock? Yes. And, you know, it's funny. My, my friend Richard Cross, who's in Mississippi, he says to me when he has me on the show, he's like, okay, quickly, John, we only, got, we only have a minute. Like, I know you can't talk about anything in less than a minute. <laughs> that's the only thing that I can talk about in less than a minute. Oh, in fact, so it'll take funny. five yeah. seconds. We're not talking about it. Talking not, about football and football. Yeah, football and then other stuff, too. I mean, that's a legal thing, so we're not going to discuss that here. It's a Texan show. It's a football show, and it's a tangent show. It's Sports Tangent Radio 610. Okay, <laughs> that is – what I used to call my show or something like that tangent radio six I can't remember the exact funny title I gave it, but uh, yeah, we do go off on tangents on occasion, but let's start here before we get into the official reported signings by the Texans. And these have been reported previously by other media outlets. They've leaked out signings always do virtually, yeah. but there was another report today that the Texans are close to, sh- to signing long snapper, John weeks, Back on the roster, so I feel like the, the earth can get back on its axis here if John Weeks can get back with the Houston Texans. That's pretty cool to have the long snapper back. Now, look, this is March. We're still in March. There's no guarantee that Weeks, he once signed. Again, it's a report that he's going to sign with the team. There's no guarantee that he would make the team because you would think, especially the way this group is operating, they love competition. You can tell. They are just loading up the position groups with competitive situations. So maybe they would do that. And Weeks has had some challenges before in camp, in the offseason, and responded. But if he gets another shot here, Johnny, you got to like his chances, even at his long-in-the-tooth status of being (laughs) becoming a Texan in 2010 after his EMT career. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what he's been, uh, what he's been able to do. When I saw that today, it was one of those. Wait, okay, is this who is this from? Is this source credible? It's not quite a signing, but it's expected to, and those usually turn into signings. But we'll see. And obviously, in our world, we will talk about according to sources. We don't get totally excited because we know the physical has to take place and. Those things always, uh, I don't want to say they stand in the way, but we've seen situations where guy fails a physical. He doesn't become a particular player. Now, I can't remember the last time that's happened in Houston, but I've seen it happen throughout the league. So it's always good to talk about it in that way, according to sources. Now, there are some pretty good sources on this one, so hopefully that's going to be the case. I love Weeksy. I tell the story. I, I I don't know if you were on with me, Mark, when I told that story. It's probably my favorite Weeksy story. It's my first game down on the sideline. That game in and of itself, we could do a Texans radio 30 for 30. The Washington football team, formerly known as the Redskins, that was my first game down on the sideline. And we know what happens in the third quarter because a monster storm hit the building and knocked us off the air, which is one of my favorite stories as well. Mm-hmm. But this is my favorite Weeksy story. So Weeksy would – 
practices, snaps going in the direction in which the team is, is going. And so that, I mean, I've been on a sideline a million times, but for some reason I was listening to you guys and I was looking back at the bench for something. And I didn't quite see him. And I started to move and all of a sudden I felt this, I mean, right by my nose, about two inches away. And I looked down there and he's got this smile on his face like, hey, new guy, pay attention. And he, I'm telling you, Mark, he would have hit me in the no, and you there would have been no sideline report for the rest of the game because that would have knocked me out. It was a bullet like they all were. And he just said that little warning shot. And from that point forward, after we talked about it, he always was like, hey, Johnny. So I would always kind of work around him or go in between he and the guy catching the snaps. But he nearly decapitated me with one snap early in that game against the Redskins. And <laughs> my first game, I was like, all right, I guess he made a point. From that point forward, we never had any issues. And I love him to death. He's great, and I hope he does come back to the Texans. Yeah, me too. Hope he does. Hope he makes the team. We'll see how it all goes for the former Baylor standout. And by the way, Baylor in the NCAA tournament in the Sweet 16. Thank goodness for the Big 12 for them because, oh, my gosh. And we move into the Sweet 16, which actually starts Saturday. It's weird, Johnny, the way this whole thing is laid out. Yesterday, we had the final day of the first two rounds. We're not going to have the Sweet 16 until Saturday. This means we're not done with the Elite Eight till Tuesday, which goes right into the Final Four, which I guess they're doing it for travel purposes or whatever because they're all in Indianapolis and they want to make it as palatable as possible. Uh, It's one gigantic TV show right now, of course, uh, with limited fans, but they're pulling it off just like all of sports. We talked about it last night. NFL with a lot of games with zero fans, some games with some fans. We want to have fans this year, but, you know, we're playing this thing out in college basketball. The NBA has some fans, which is terrific. I hope they open it up even more as more people get vaccinated. And, by the way, great news today is Texas, you can make an appointment. If you're an adult, you can make an appointment to get a vaccination for COVID-19. This is great news, right? It is great news. I got mine last uh, Thursday, Wednesday. I can't remember what day it was, but I got my first dose uh, last week sometime, and my left arm hurt like you wouldn't believe. I mean, end of the night, I couldn't lift up my arm. Grab the next morning, it's fine. It's fine. But I'm going to get the second dose sometime early in April. Actually, I think, I think it's Final Four championship game morning, the morning of. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking, looking forward to doing that. But I saw that news today, and I just thought about how far we've come, and hopefully it continues along those 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 lines. We keep this momentum going, that spring break and whatever you know other super spreader events are not super spreader events. But I'll tell you this, Mark: it's weird watching the games with no fans in the stands, and you know the the local regional always has fans that cheer for the underdog, and there's always a great environment in there. But even with the small fans, mm-hmm. you still hear them. You still feel them. Yeah. Even the announcers talked about it. I was listening to Kevin Kugler call a game the other day. He was talking about that. He said, look, there are only 1,200 fans in this place, but it feels like five to 6,000 when they get roared up. So it's, it's been it, – it hasn't been perfect because we want fans to be in the stands and, and there to be an environment there. That, but I, I don't think the players are, are missing out in any way, shape, or form. I actually like – the big bench area, massive bench area for all these tournaments, 
I love it because it's basically become like this celebration arena for the teams. And it's really cool to watch. It's, you know, something different. They're not going to do it for uh, when we get back to normalcy, if you will. But this has been really cool to see these teams sort of celebrate those big areas uh, over by the sideline that has turned into their bench area. It's really cool. Yeah, look, limited number of fans, and I think I brought this up a bunch last offseason when we were getting ready for whatever it was we were getting ready for. We didn't even know what was on our on our horizon, yeah. really, as far as a COVID football season. We didn't know how it would feel. But I brought up the black hole where the Raiders played that mm-hmm. cookie-cutter Oakland Alameda County Stadium, whatever they were calling it that particular week, because it had a dozen names, it felt like. Which stadium has had the most names in the NFL? This is a good trivia question. Is it that one or I think it's the Dolphin Stadium because it's been Joe Robbie Stadium. Mm -hmm. It's been Pro Player Stadium. It's been Dolphin Stadium. It's been Land Shark Stadium. And it is, what is it now? I'm forgetting. Hard Rock. Hard Hard Rock. Rock. It's Hard Rock Rock Stadium. How could I forget that? And, you know, when I lived in in South Florida, there was no Hard Rock Casino. So that's something new. There was Seminole because it was a reservation-based kind of thing. And, you know, maybe Hard Rock is. I don't even know. But it's one of those things. And yeah, I, I think Jacksonville's that, had Jacksonville's had a number of changes to their stadium too. Yeah, and it was people, not as many, but they've had a few. All all tech, wait, all tell used to be one, Everbank used to be one. Now I think it's TIAA. Is stadium. it? Oh, I think it's had man. like four or five different changes. Uh, but most people there just call it the old, the old Gator Bowl because that's what it was, it was the old Gator Bowl. Um, I think they call it the bank now. I think it's TIA Bank. But they've had a few. They've had a good four or five just in a shorter amount of time than the Dolphins have had. You're right. I think it's the Dolphins. The the Coliseum, they've had a few. O.co and um, over uh, – I can't remember what – oversomething.com. Overstock.com, I think that was one. They've had a few for, for, for the, uh, the stadium formerly known as the Coliseum. But it's got to be Miami. You just label off six or seven. I think that's what it's got to be. Has to be the Dolphin Stadium. The Ravens were PSI.net. Like that. <laughs> Welcome to PSI.net. We couldn't even afford a dot com, but we can afford the naming rights to this stadium. Darn it, boy! You want to talk about Tangent Radio six ten? I brought up this whole point to go back to the Raiders situation when they really didn't have a lot of fans at that stadium, but they would make a lot of noise. You know, it doesn't make a lot or take a lot for a limited number to make a lot of noise if they're all doing it. So to Kudler's point, calling that tournament game on the radio, you know, a thousand people screaming can do it. And then they add in the other noise and it really does, you know, add to the whole effect of it all. I can't wait for baseball. I really hope that we can pack them in soon enough, get that place jammed, Minute Maid Park downtown really get it going all over the country. I'm supposed to bring my son to Fenway Park this year for a special trip. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that because he has to see where the old man went to college and stuff like that. So we'll see how that goes. (laughs) Anyway, let's get back to this now. Texans announcing some signings today. And, again, some of these have been reported before. But Ryan Izzo, the tight end, was an acquisition, actually, in a trade with the New England Patriots, 6'5", 255. Johnny Thumbnail, quickie on Ryan Izzo. He's going to be a, a inline, an inline wide tight end, i.e. more of a blocking tight end than a receiving tight end. I think with Farrell Brown and Jordan Akins, Kali Warren, you got more receiver types. I think Izzo is a true-to-life wide tight end, kind of old-school sort of guy, 255 pounds, 
He'll get in there and swap some paint with the edge guys. But that, I think, is going to be his role is to be more of the inline, why uh, run blocking type of tight end. All right, the quarterback, Ryan Finley, who they got in the trade with the Cincinnati Bengals, 6'4", 207, a 26-year-old player. Yeah, you get a, a former – I think he's a former third-round quarterback, and you bring him in, you develop him, and I wouldn't imagine that Ryan Finley is going to be the starter for this team, but you bring in a guy that had and was highly thought of coming out of the draft, coming out of North Carolina State, and you develop him, and you see what you got, and you see what you know Pep Hamilton and Tim Kelly can do with – uh, with these quarterbacks, Tyrod Taylor, Ryan Finley, and and rock on from there. I I like when I heard about, it, I was like, he's better than any sixth or seventh round quarterback you'd find in this draft. So go make a move, and that's what they did. Okay, I want to do a couple of other highlights here. And by the way, the Texans are not listing the positions of some of these players, right? And uh, Johnny, please don't tell me that we're going to get to OTAs and they're not going to have numbers on the jerseys or some crazy stuff like that. <laughs> I, no, no, I'm putting, I'm standing on a table for this one. You know how the Patriots did stuff like that. I, I cannot deal with that. I can't deal with that. Come on, don't do it to us, Nick and Coach. Cully. Well, what they do, what they do, mm-hmm. it, they'll have numbers. But I remember watching one training camp highlight. And Sony Michelle, the running back, was wearing number 51. So they'll give them all different oh. numbers. So it'll, especially with this roster, how much it's changed. Oh, good grief. We won't be able to figure it out. But you're right. We, we have to, have to have some sort of roster number or something or other. Just trying to figure it out, figure out how many, with all the changes they've had. Oh, my goodness. It'll take forever. Hey, who's number 58? Oh, that's our nickel defensive back, Ugh. Desmond King. <laughs> no, no, don't do it to me. It's coming. Now, it's coming. <laughs> they are listing what group you're in, but not specifically. Terrence Brooks, for instance, is listed as a DB, defensive back. Yeah, uh, yeah Malik Collins, DL, defensive line. So they don't want to say whether he's an end or a tackle. They don't want to say whether Brooks is a safety or a corner. Now, you can look up what they've played. Obviously, some guys are able to do both or have done both or, you know, they're – targeted or they were one and they're targeted for another here I guess they just want to play it very broadly right now Mm -hmm. and uh, we mentioned John Weeks earlier reportedly ready to sign with the Texans again but Anthony Kukwa long snapper from Lake Erie College he's been signed actually no he's been waived I apologize he's been waived because Weeks is ready to come back on board so sorry Anthony you're not going to get a chance to compete how about this for a waiver though I'm ready to break some hearts. Chad Hansen, wide receiver who shined last year while everyone was going down with injuries or whatnot, and he was able to play well. We've told his story many times. Uh, He was in the league in 2017 with the Jets, bounced around a little bit, hung around with the Texans, finally got his shot, was able to catch some passes and really turn some heads out there on the field. He was turning heads in training camp, and we thought, well, he'll never get a shot in a game I mean, with this group ahead of him. But he did, and he played well. But now he's been waived. Maybe he ends up back in the practice squad, Johnny, or something like that eventually, but maybe he catches on with someone else. I think he's got too much talent not to get an opportunity somewhere in the NFL. I agree. I think he showed those last five games. Hey, there's, there's something there uh, with Chad Hansen. I think there is – uh, a fair amount of athleticism. There's NFL athleticism. He's got really good hands. 
He was trustworthy, you know, where he needed to be. He'd get open. I think he is the type of guy that will have an opportunity somewhere. If not, and you, you know how it is, you get the training camp and you've got, you know, 10 receivers on the books or whatever the number is. And you look at it and think, okay, we'll be fine. And all of a sudden, this guy gets dinged up. This guy is a little slow to react. Oh, this guy just had a oh, really bad injury. He's not. He's out for the year. And all of a sudden, you need receivers just to even get through a training camp day of practice. Mm. And that's when you call Chad Hansen, like, hey, man, you know this offense. We want to bring you back. We've had some things happen. We trust that you're going to come to camp in shape, and away you go. And he gets another opportunity. And, and who knows what, what happens at that point particular moment but we've seen that receiver position ravaged at times during training camp and they need bodies uh the the Greenbrier Summers I think it was 2017 when it was one receiver after another coming in it was like my gosh can somebody stay healthy and then finally we got Bruce Ellington and then he got hurt uh, within like two or three weeks of playing a game and then he got a concussion in the first game against Jacksonville so those receivers have been beaten up last year. I don't think any of the, the top four receivers practiced together any one day. So you needed nine, 10, even 11 receivers to get through a full training camp practice. So if Chad's not picked up, I would imagine he's just a short phone call away if they get the training camp, they do get some receivers banged up. I do think, Mark, they will add another receiver, maybe even two through the draft and under, uh, undrafted rookie process. So there'll be another two guys, I think, added to the mix. Wow. And I think they'll kind of go through what they've got there and say, yeah, these are I, – I, now getting down from whatever the number is going to be to five or six is going to be really, really difficult. But as you've said many times, injuries and yeah. other things sort of sort that all out. You go, And at the end of it, you go, okay, I know who the five or six are. Even though they started with 11 – you know who those five or six are going to be, and I think that's the way this group will eventually be. Well, Johnny, we don't really know what the offseason program is going to look like yet, right? We are not sure how many practices. Now, they should get more. Let's just say it was a non-COVID world. With a new head coach coming in, you get more time for offseason yes. practices to get everybody acclimated to the new system. And in this case, it would be great because you want to get everybody acquainted with each other and how yep. they want to do things with the Cully administration and everything like that. Now, we might not get that look, and it's looking like we're not going to, but we're going to get something, I would hope. It's so funny because last year at this time, it was a complete mystery. We were praying we'd get something. I remember yep. a Sunday in early April where it was announced. I don't know if it was the president or Fauci or both or whatever. They said, listen, this we're going to have to lock down through April. And I thought at the time, it was like, through April? Are you crazy? Yeah. Are you kidding? We can't do this a year later. Uh, now, I know we've come out of lockdown <laughs> and everything in a lot of states and a lot of yeah. places, but it still feels like this is very much with us because it is. But it is. as it applies to an NFL situation, I just think that it's going to be difficult to get everybody lined up the way you want them to line up. Now, lined up, yes, but to perform at peak efficiency – it's going to be tough. I mean, this puts a premium on whatever time you get in training camp, and we should get that full complement. We're going to get something this offseason, you would think, but they're going to have to make the most of it. The pressure is on to get all these guys working well together as quickly as possible. No doubt. And last year, for this squad in particular, had Anthony Weaver, who was running 
kind of a mix of what Romeo Cornell had run and what, you know, some of the new wrinkles he wanted to bring in. But for the most part, they, the, the defense knew him. They knew the calls, et cetera. Offense was the same offense they'd been running for the most part. And they had a lot of veterans. A completely different deal. This is going to be an offense that, yes, run by Tim Kelly, but there are so many different pieces. They're all learning this. They're learning each other. And defensively, it's going to be completely different. They need something in the offseason, something for this group in the offseason. If they don't, training camp's going to be really interesting because if I'm Lovey Smith at that point, I'm going, man, how much can I actually install and make sure that we're running it properly before we play a regular season game? And that's going to be a, that's going to be a, really, a really tough question if they don't have any offseason to kind of work through some of those wrinkles, even just getting in the huddle and making a call, and the verbiage is completely different than what it's been, you need the offseason to be able to do some of those things, even just get in the huddle, break the huddle, everybody gets to a spot, and they do it even on air to know what guys are doing. So this will be a definite challenge if the offseason is reduced in any way, shape, or form for this group. I didn't last year, even though I wanted to have an offseason, I was like, eh, you know, they'll be all right. They got a lot of vets on this team. They'll be okay. I don't know if that was totally true, but I feel like the teams that came out of it with a lot of veterans that have been together, they started the season better. Eventually, Tampa Bay got to a point where they were on the same page and they were just too talented to beat. But Kansas City was very good. Buffalo have been together for the most part outside of Stephon Diggs. That team was very good. You saw a lot of those teams. Green Bay was a veteran team that had been together for a few years and the second year under the floor. So those teams had success and had success early. I think this Texas team is going to, no matter what the success is, they are going to need that offseason in some way, shape, or form. It's projected to start April 5th, but I don't know if that will happen and we'll, we'll see. I hope they just get something done where they can get everybody together and work, even if it's just units. Okay, defense is coming in this week. They're out. Offense is coming in next week. Even if it's like that, Mark, I could live with that. Just something in which they can get together before the season starts. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it last year, and the coaching staff was optimistic that the veteran status of the receivers, you know, you were replacing DeAndre Hopkins – and you had Randall Cobb coming in and Brandon Cooks, and you know we know the rest of the story. But those were good players who had played a lot of different yeah. places well, but the timing wasn't there. It just wasn't what it needed to be early on, and it got going as the season got going. And obviously they put up more yards than anybody in the NFL. The quarterback led the league in passing, but they weren't able to run the ball. If you can find a way to you know, grind out some yards with the ground game early on. My gosh, that's going to take so much pressure off the situation. But we have a lot of time to talk about that. Okay, next up, we're going to play the game that we haven't played for a couple of weeks, Johnny. It's called Who's Better? I've yes. got second-year quarterbacks featured. I've got Ooh. all-time running backs featured. I have all-time quarterbacks featured. This is a really tough Ooh. one. This, you – you're not going to be able to watch film on this because the film is black and white <laughs> and you're just going to have to guess. And oh. how about this? Kids toys. That's going to come into play as well. I just thought I'd throw Ooh. that one in for fun. It's Texans radio. Yes.
Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you. It's Texans All Access. Great to have you listening. And I know there's a huge story going on with the Texans quarterback right now. Legal story. We're not going to talk about legal stories here on Texans Radio. It's just the way we're rolling here. It's a Texans show. It's a football show. We do throw in some other stuff, as you do know. I mean, last year, or last week, rather, we were talking about piano intros to classic rock songs. By the way, I never gave you my top drum intro, which is no doubt rock and roll Led Zeppelin. Is there any better drum intro? Maybe Rolling Stones Honky Talk Woman with the cowbell. That is an awesome intro as well. Uh, there was one that I, I'm trying to remember, the one that I saw. I think Back in Black oh, starts with the hi-hat or something, but it's not that pronounced, but people know what it is when it's coming in. I don't know. There are a bunch of other ones. I know I'm going to get the texts as we're rolling here. But I, I wanted to play this game. Who's better? Are you ready to play? Right. Who's better? We haven't played let's it in go. a while. Let's All go. right, let's go. Who's better? 2021 Joe Burrow or 2021 Justin Herbert? Now, we saw Burrow early, and he looked pretty good. He looked really good, as a matter of fact, but obviously got hurt, and that was it for his 2020 season. Herbert, on the other hand, you know, he came out of the gate looking pretty good, relieving Tyrod Taylor. Remember, Taylor had the collapsed lung, right? That was horrible. I can't oh, wait to so talk bad. to him about that. I'm sure I'm sure he's going to love oh. talking about that. Let's just <laughs> skip that. But Herbert, <laughs> Herbert had an outstanding season, uh, but Burrow's got all the talent, number one pick in the draft last year. Who's better, 2021 Burrow or 2021 Herbert? I'm going to go Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Justin Herbert. Even though I had Burrow ranked higher than Herbert, Harris 100, I was not one of those that thought Herbert would be a complete total bust. In fact, when I saw it at the senior ball, I was like, man, if that, that dude shows up, he's going to be exceptional. I thought Joey B was really, really good. In fact, he was on – I saw a tweet last night. I was like, look who's at this Ohio game. It's Joey B. I'm like, Joey B? Who they, oh, oh, that's right. He's from yeah. Athens, Ohio. Um, that's where his dad, I think, was coaching at the time where he mm-hmm. was growing up and went to high school. So he was there cheering on the, the Bobcats. Unfortunately, Ohio lost. but thinking about Joey, Joey B yesterday, and I know he's coming off an injury, and that will take a little bit of time. He's going to get, more than likely, a piece on offense, pick number five. I think Cincinnati's got pick number five. And he's going to get a piece, whether it's an offensive lineman, later, one of those tackles, or he's going to get a guy like Kyle Pitts to go with, uh, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins already. And I'm like, you add Kyle Pitts to those two, they're going to be fantastic. That said, Justin Herbert. The Chargers added Corey Lindsley on the offensive line. They've still got Mike Williams. They've got Keenan Allen. Austin, Austin Eckler in the backfield, along with Joshua Kelly. I think Justin Herbert is really scratching the surface of his prodigious talent. I think 2021, Justin Herbert. Although it's going to be really close. Really close, but I think Herbert's that guy. Yeah, I I think a lot of people noticed Burrow in the stands. And my note about Athens is I was in the Mid-American Conference a long time ago at Central Michigan. That was the longest trip for us to go to. We called it OU. It was Ohio University. You called it OU up there. And to go to OU, oh, my gosh, an eight-hour drive to go to Athens. And those were some long nights coming back in the bus. Uh, from that place, which you feel like you're driving to the edge of the earth. And it's really not. It's just like pretty close to Columbus relatively, like I think yeah. an hour and a half. Uh, but it's yeah. interesting that he comes from that town. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I think Herbert, you know, it, maybe it's just recency bias, as they call it. But Herbert looks so good. Okay. 
Who's better as we continue to play this game? In his prime, Adrian Peterson, or in his prime, which is probably now, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry or Adrian Peterson. You get to pick the guy in his prime. Now, a lot of people are just going to say, well, Peterson, look at what he's done, his career and everything. And I know that Peterson is putting up numbers that are ridiculous all-time numbers, and Henry might not. He might not last that long. But in his prime, Johnny, Henry, last couple of years, is unbelievable. Your thoughts? I mean, we've seen – God, I can't believe I have to say this. We've seen three of Derrick Henry's best games <laughs> We've seen career. them. Oh, the yeah, last, we've seen them all right. The last three games. Yeah. So it's hard to go against Derrick Henry. It really is. I think about it this way. Which one would I not want to face? I felt Ooh. for the longest time – I felt for the longest time – like, Derrick Henry didn't scare me or scare us. Like, you're facing Derrick Henry this week. How do you feel? Like, fine. Like, our defense was made, really, to, to stop him. And then, at the end of 2019, of course, he's facing the JV unit. But he ran for over 200 yards and thought, oh, he looked really good. And I've seen him look even better. And the two games last year, he just took over. That said, in a one-game situation, Adrian Peterson's the guy that I would not want to face. Because Derrick Henry gets that runway, and you can forget it. Adrian Peterson will create his runway. And then it was just as powerful as Derrick Henry was. So at that point, to say who's better, I think about who would I least want to face, and that would be Adrian Peterson in his prime. In his prime, my goodness, as a defensive back, I would have been making some business decisions, no questions asked. Okay, Johnny, for the next Who's Better, get your black and white iPad film ready, all right? Black and white. All right. Who's better, Otto Graham or Johnny U? Johnny Unitas or Otto Graham? Now, before people knee-jerk say Johnny U, Mark, look, (laughs) you didn't watch Johnny U, people. Maybe John McClellan. I did. I watched Johnny Unitas (laughs) on TV. You're the only one, General. Nobody else. I'm just kidding. Maybe some people have who are are listening right now. But but Otto Check this out about Otto Graham, three-time NFL champion, all right? This Mm -hmm. is Cleveland Browns, people. This is when the Browns were awesome. Three-time NFL champion, three-time MVP, four-time first-team All-Pro, okay? Now, Johnny Yu, similar numbers, if you will, Super Bowl champion, three-time NFL champion, three-time NFL MVP. How about that? Five-time first-team All-Pro. So, Otto had a four- Johnny U had it five, and Otto didn't get a chance to play in a Super Bowl because he was done before the Super Bowls got rolling. So who's better, Otto Graham or Johnny U? I think Otto Graham gets cheated because there there was so much talk about how great Paul Brown was as a coach, as a play caller, Mm -hmm. and Paul Brown was really the first one to call plays for his quarterback. He was really the first one. Johnny Unitas called everything. He was – he's Peyton Manning before Peyton Manning and then some because he called everything. He made every check. He made every play call. Johnny U was his offensive coordinator and his quarterback's coach mm. and the quarterback all in one. That's the difference, that right there. Because automatic auto was automatic. He was tremendous with ball accuracy. That's what he's called, automatic auto but also because he sort of followed the script that Paul Brown laid out. 
which is unfortunate because Otto was a smart guy, went to Northwestern. But Johnny Unitas did everything. And then in the clutch, there's it's hard to say Joe Montana, Tom Brady, who is better in the clutch. I don't know, man. But if Johnny Unitas – Johnny Unitas is in that team picture for sure as being in the clutch two-minute drives. Sure. The famous one in 1958. So I'm going to go with Johnny Unitas by a hair. A lot of people – like you said, a lot of people just go, oh, Johnny Unitas. No, it's, you, you mentioned it. It's very, very close. But I think that one thing, I would want Johnny Unitas with the ball in his hands with two minutes left. I'd want that guy. I mean, Otto, you have no way of evaluating this stuff. Not you, but per people don't. You know, yeah. you can't really watch these guys. Now, Johnny, you maybe a little bit more than Otto Graham, but I love talking about stuff like this. Okay, because yeah. you know why? These guys are dead, and it's nice to get them their due. Right. They're like, oh, thanks for talking yeah. about me. That's great. I'll move on. I'm going, <laughs> to, I'm going to the early bird special in heaven. Thank you. All right. So I got one more who's better and we don't have a lot okay. of time for it, but let's get to it. Who's better? This okay. is the kid toy category. Who's better? G.I. Joe or Hot Wheels for a kid's toy? Who's better? G.I. Joe wow. or Hot Wheels? Or you can have a wild card entry if you like. No, Hot Wheels. I mean, Hot Wheels to me, that's that's the way to go versatility there i know there were other there were other uh, you know individuals in the gi joe umbrella universe <laughs> yeah but hot wheels give me hot wheels i'd be fine all day long you give me gi joe and it was like yeah you can only do so much with the kung fu grip but you give me a few hot wheels i was pretty good for the rest of the day to be honest so uh. i i would go i would go hot wheels and i'll give honorable mention to the little tiny football players that you used to play on the electric football <laughs> set. Those little guys that would kind of just go around, they'd have the little things on the bottom and they would get all messed right. up. And so they would just go around in circles. I was going awesome. to go there. I was going to say, what's better electric football or the little <laughs> hockey game where you twist the, but the hockey oh, game is way better. The, ho you can, the you, hockey game is way better. Yeah, you it's can actually, way better. I used to love that game. Yeah. And then when I was in college, Mark, we had a place right across from our dorm. We just called it Ekdek, East East Coast Dining Center, because we were on the East Side or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was called Ekdek, and they had a bubble. Oh, the bubble with the scoreboard. Oh, they had the Soviets and had the U.S. <laughs> and there was a there was a button that you could press that you could boo the Soviet national anthem. We would play the Soviet national anthem. If you were the America side, you could hit the. My buddy and I uh, went in there every night, I swear to you, from February through the rest of the year, we went in there every night and played at least two games of bubble hockey at the Act Deck. Oh that's, my favorite, that's my favorite sports game of all time, that, the bubble hockey, the stick hockey. I've, I've looked for used machines that I'd like to be able to purchase one day. They're just awesome. Oh, yeah. Such I'm sure those game. are worth some money. Look, I used to have every G.I. Joe accessory, and it was in a big shopping bag, and my mother sold it for like 10 bucks at a garage sale. That stuff would be worth thousands right now. Mom! Anyway, next up, let's go around the league, and a quarterback who used to be the big subject of the debate, is he elite? in a joking way, has signed with a team, among other things. We'll get to all that stuff on Texans All Access. 
It's Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. And if you've come here looking for legal talk, we're not going to have it for you. Legal matter involving the Texans quarterback, we're not going to go there. Uh, so we apologize about that, but we just can't discuss those things. Texans show. I know we were just talking about like bubble hockey and other things. You know, we do go off on tangents, but we don't talk about legal stuff. All right, let's get to this now, Johnny. Going around the league. Hey, is he elite or not? Joe Flacco has signed with the Philadelphia Eagles. Thoughts? Wow. Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles. Uh, it doesn't make sense. I mean, Jalen Hurts is their quarterback. You would think as the starting quarterback. I don't care. And it. you got Joe Flacco behind him. Now look, Joe Flacco's I think he is he's reached the Matt Schaub status in some sense. Like he knows he's a backup. But be around. He loves to be able to help and assist. And if that's it, that's his role. Look, I, I think Joe Flacco can impart a lot of wisdom on Jalen Hurts as a first-time starter. So I, I appreciate it from that perspective. But if Hurts goes out of the game for some reason and you've got to go to Joe Flacco, it's a totally different game plan. Yep. Totally different. And, Very and if Hurts has been struggling or if, like, the pass rush has been a bit of an issue – Flacco is roadkill. Uh, come on. Yes. He's not going to yeah. be able to get out of the way. And, you know, this is the Eagles. They'll bench Jalen Hurts. And <laughs> no, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> no. Don't do it for Joe. No. Now, I do think Joe it, – it's interesting when you look at his career because it started off so well. He and Harbaugh came in together with the Ravens five years in a row. They make the playoffs, and they win a playoff mm -hmm. game in each of those five seasons and eventually win a Super Bowl together. But then it gets – to be a rocky road with the two of them. And look, remember Lamar Jackson's rookie season, you know, Flacco was starting. A lot of people thought that Harbaugh might be fired because they were really struggling. And then he puts Lamar Jackson in and whoop, oh my gosh, my career is resurrected. Yep. Go figure, players matter. And it's a completely different situation. I don't know yep. what's going to happen with Joe Flacco in Philadelphia, but I just thought I would mention it. Okay, there's a report out there that Marcus Mariota will take the pay cut and stay with the Las Vegas Raiders, and I said it right. I didn't say Oakland. I didn't say L.A. I didn't say Al Davis's Raiders. I said the Vegas Raiders. So Mariota taking less money, reportedly, to stay with the Raiders. Good move? Yeah, I think it's a good move. I thought that maybe the Bears would look at Marcus Mariota. Mm -hmm. That would be a team that might look at him. But I think with the Raiders, he's in a good situation. He came into the Dolphins game. Was that the game that he came into last year where Derek Carr had gotten banged up or had injured his groin? And Mariota came in and looked very, very good. He looked really good. I think it was that Dolphins game because he got them to the lead and then Fitzy drove them uh, back the other direction. I think Mariota, very good backup. I thought he might get a look to be a starting quarterback. Maybe. But I think that now that I think about it, I think that ship has now sailed. He is a he's a functional backup that I think in Las Vegas makes a lot of sense for kind of Derek Carr because Derek Carr has been good but not great. And then he gets banged up that night. Mariota goes up and goes on the field, and the offense really hasn't missed a beat. But right now, man, they're kind of all over the place. Mark, that offensive line has been completely chopped up. Hudson's mm -hmm. traded. Jackson's gone. Uh, it's Trey Brown gets traded back to the to the Patriots. When we saw that line in 2019, we up close going, oh my God, they're massive, they're tough. This offense line is going to be together for a while. They're going to be a problem very, very soon. And then it didn't turn into one, and Gruden's like, get rid of them. 
<laughs> I mean, his patience level is yeah. about the size of a net. Right. It's, oh, it's crazy to watch. All right. The NFL, obviously, the new TV deals have been announced, and Amazon's going to have your Thursday night deal. We don't know if the Texans will have a Thursday night game. Everybody gets one of some sort, right? Last year, you got the Thanksgiving game. Uh, you're not going to get the opening night game this year. You got it last year. So you had the Thanksgiving game and the opening night game. That's not your traditional Thursday night football because that'll be an NBC game. Uh, but this year, Amazon has your general Thursday night package. But there's a lot of talk about, hey, they're going to field their own talent. They're going to do it their yeah. own way, the Amazon way. So what is this? Is this home shopping network on TV with the NFL involved? Uh, we don't know what to expect. The league does have the right to approve or disapprove of whatever you do as a broadcast, right? In other words, yeah. like when I got the job as the voice of the Texans, the league said, yeah, that's, that's a good decision. It's okay. Like, I don't yeah. know if they can actually stop it, but I think they can. I think they could say, yeah. listen, that's not worthy. You know, this guy from Miami is not worthy to do the NFL games. <laughs> now, they, thank goodness, didn't say that. But my point is this. Like, where are you with that? Do you want to see something really different? Do you want to see something traditional? Would you want to see – look, we always talk about the Nickelodeon thing. Um, who – did it on 610 yesterday. I think it was in the loop playing the Mad Dog Russo. Uh, I can't believe it. The, the Nickadonian. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe what they did to the end zones. It's ridiculous. What are they doing? Uh, he didn't really understand what they were doing. You know what I would you know what I wouldn't mind? And what? and I think it's coming. I wouldn't mind there being some sort of gambling angle to the broadcast mm. as maybe not like a, a sideline reporter. <laughs> But something similar to that. The cover scoreboard. You're down (laughs) 10. It's like. (laughs) The cover scoreboard. Why the game still matters. It's a a 17-point blowout. (laughs) And yet there's some at home really waiting on this one. But that's coming at some point for there to be some sort of gambling conversation in the broadcast. I could see that happening. And Amazon might be the right group to do it and to try it on Thursday night. Sean Pendergast's dream, GambleCast, and it's coming. Yep. All right, thank you, Johnny. Appreciate it, Mark. Thank you. We'll be back on tomorrow, Draft Wednesday, among many other things. The show never stops here on Texans Radio. Have a great night, everyone. Thank you very much to Eddie for producing. Go Texans! <laughs>